This is Barry Zalma, Zalma on Insurance. Today I'd like to speak about why the Fifth Amendment is of no use to a plaintiff who sues an insurer for the tort of bad faith. The Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution protects an individual from being forced to testify in a manner that might incriminate him or her and subject the witness to prosecution. It is a defense, however, not a weapon that can be used against a defendant in a civil suit. Since civil litigation is entered into voluntarily, testimony in a civil suit brought by a plaintiff is not a compulsion to self-incrimination because the plaintiff can protect his or her privilege simply by dismissing the lawsuit. In Fremont Indemnity Company versus the Superior Court of Orange County, a 1982 decision of the California Court of Appeal, plaintiff owned a restaurant. Fremont, the defendant, issued a policy insuring against its loss by fire. The policy included an exclusion. Like just about every other first-party property insurance policy, under which the insurer would be relieved of liability on the policy if it was shown that the insured's arson caused the loss. That's the intentional loss or fraud exclusion. After the fire, a criminal investigation into the origin of the fire was undertaken and plaintiff came under suspicion. As a consequence, the defendant declined to pay plaintiff's claim. Because of this, plaintiff filed suit against his insurer seeking tort and contract damages, including damages for punitive damages for bad faith denial of his claim. Before his scheduled deposition, counsel for plaintiff notified counsel for defendant that the plaintiff would not appear for his deposition because he had been indicted for arson and therefore was asserting his constitutional privilege against self-incrimination. Since it was the plaintiff who claimed the privilege as to his own behavior, which was vitally relevant to a coverage exclusion contained in the very fire insurance policy upon which he sought recovery, the Court of Appeal issued a preemptory writ of mandate to the Orange County Superior Court, directing it to compel the testimony, and if plaintiff continued to refuse to appear for deposition as ordered, or refused to provide the documentary evidence as already ordered, the Court of Appeal instructed the trial court to dismiss plaintiff's action. He continued to refuse, and his case against his insurer was dismissed. The Fremont Appellate Court analyzed the issue by reviewing discovery disputes where the commencement of litigation necessarily waived the privilege asserted citing to Newton versus the City of Oakland, a 1974 decision of the California Court of Appeal, 
where the plaintiff was asserting a claim for lost wages compelled by the court to disclose his failure to file income tax returns. And in the city and county of San Francisco versus the Superior Court, a 1951 decision of the California Supreme Court where the physician-patient privilege was waived when the plaintiff placed his physical condition in issue by filing an action for personal injuries. And in Wilson v. Superior Court, a 1976 decision of the California Court of Appeal, which concluded that by initiating an action against her accountant for malpractice with respect to tax advice she received, the plaintiff tendered issues involving the existence and content of her income tax returns and was precluded from asserting the privileged status of a taxpayer's copies of income tax return. In 2012, the California Court of Appeal refused to reverse a conviction for arson and insurance fraud of James Kurtenbach. In doing so, the Court of Appeal in the People v. Gertenbach found that a statute that makes it a criminal act to conceal from an insurer the fact that the insured committed or conspired with others to commit insurance fraud or arson for profit does not violate the Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. A jury convicted Gertenbach of conspiracy to commit arson arson causing great bodily injury, concealing or knowingly failing to disclose an event affecting an insurance benefit, and vandalism. The jury also made true findings that in committing the arson, Curtinback used a device designed to accelerate the fire and acted for pecuniary gain. The trial court imposed a prison sentence of 15 years, 8 months. Curtinback contended, among other things, that his conviction for concealing or knowingly failing to disclose an event affecting an insurance benefit violated his federal constitutional privilege against self-incrimination. Curtinback was charged with, among other counts, concealing or knowingly failing to disclose an event affecting an insurance benefit based on the fact that while his insurance carrier was investigating whether to provide coverage for the damage caused by the fire, Curtinback did not inform the carrier that the fire was caused by an arson that he planned. He claimed the Fifth Amendment protected him from this count. To qualify for the Fifth Amendment privilege, a communication must be testimonial, incriminating, and compelled. The United States Supreme Court has held that in certain instances, a defendant may invoke the Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination as a defense in a criminal prosecution that is based on the defendant's failure to comply with a statute requiring the disclosure of incriminating information. However, the United States Supreme Court set limitations on the circumstances in which a defendant may successfully invoke the Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination as a defense to a prosecution 
for failing to comply with a statute requiring the disclosure of incriminating information. Tension between the state's demand for disclosures and the protection of the right against self-incrimination must be resolved in terms of balancing the public need on the one hand and the individual claim to constitutional protection on the other. In conducting this balancing, the court determined that the self-incrimination defense is not available when the incriminating disclosure is required for compelling reasons unrelated to criminal law enforcement and as a part of a broadly applied regulatory regime. First, the disclosures required by the insurance fraud statute will not usually reveal incriminating information, as some of the most common disclosures covered by the statute would be, for example, material facts concerning an insured's medical condition as relevant to disability or health insurance, the material facts concerning the operation of an automobile in the case of automobile insurance, the circumstances of an injury or ability to work as relevant to workers' compensation insurance, or the existence of other insurance policies as relevant to the availability of coverage under the policy at issue. It is the rare case when, as here, the required disclosure would be the admission of a crime. Second, as it is an anti-fraud provision with criminal penalties, the activity it regulates is the making of insurance claims. Seeking benefits from an insurance carrier is an essentially legal activity. The clear intent of the statute is to criminalize the making of false or fraudulent claims the ultimate objective of which is to obtain benefits to which the offender is not entitled. The part of the statute relating to concealment or failure to disclose functions as an integral part of the anti-fraud provision. Because it is part of a broader anti-fraud provision, the part of the anti-fraud statute satisfies the requirement that it was enacted for a compelling purpose other than to force a disclosure to be used in a criminal law enforcement. Curtinback, therefore, had no right to rely on the Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination as a defense to his conviction for concealing or knowingly failing to disclose that he committed arson because he was not compelled to make a claim to his insurer. Since the privilege against self-incrimination arises only when testimony is compelled, and the testimony, no matter how incriminatory, was not compelled within the meaning of the Fifth Amendment. The jury found that Curtinback failed to disclose the arson in order to obtain benefits to which he would not be entitled if he had disclosed that fact. Curtinback was not compelled by the statute to disclose the arson. Instead, he voluntarily put himself within the reach of the statutory disclosure requirements by attempting to obtain insurance benefits 
to which he was not entitled. In the absence of legal compulsion to make an incriminating disclosure, the Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination does not apply. The arson and Curtinback's failure to disclose the arson to his insurance carrier occurred at different times. The arson occurred at the time of the fire. The failure to disclose the arson to the insurance carrier occurred in the following days and months as the insurance adjuster investigated the insurance claim. The Fifth Amendment will not, it will never protect the criminal who remains silent. The statute, therefore, requires that an insured who has attempted an insurance fraud advise his or her insurer of the fact or make no claim at all. Failure to do so is a criminal act. This is a weapon against fraud that is seldom used, but should be used often when evidence of fraud exists. In Guadnagi versus New York Trance Authority, a plaintiff was not allowed to assert his Fifth Amendment privilege against self-incrimination to circumvent a jurisdictional prerequisite to the commencement of an action in tort against the transit authority. As the Southern District Court stated in Independent Productions Corporation versus Lowe's, Inc., Plaintiffs in this civil action have initiated the action and forced defendants into court. If plaintiffs had not brought the action, they would not have been called on to testify. Even now, plaintiffs need not testify if they discontinue the action. They have freedom and reasonable choice of action. They cannot use this asserted privilege as both a sword and a shield. Defendants ought not to be denied a possible defense because plaintiffs seek to invoke an alleged privilege. In Medical Protective versus Bubenic, an Eighth Circuit decision from 2010, the Eighth Circuit Court of Appeal was faced with this question and resolved it against the person asserting the privilege and in favor of his insurer, who claimed that Bubenic failed to cooperate in his defense by asserting the privilege. Medical Protective Company brought a declaratory judgment action against its insured Dr. James Bubenic and Joseph and Mary Johnston, who had obtained a state court judgment against the doctor for malpractice, contending it had no duty to pay because Dr. Bubenik had materially breached the terms of his insurance policy. The district court entered a declaratory judgment in favor of the insurer and the Johnstons appealed. Dr. Bubenek did not cooperate in the defense of the lawsuit brought by the Johnstons. The court noted that cooperation clauses are valid and enforceable under Missouri law, and the district court concluded that Dr. Bubenek had materially breached that clause by failing to answer interrogatories, participate in discussions, 
share documents, submit to a deposition, or testify at trial. The district court concluded that much of the information in Dr. Bubenik's sole possession would have been relevant to the coverage issue. The state court which decided the Johnson's case found that Dr. Bubenik had committed four separate acts of malpractice. One of its findings was that Dr. Bubenik had not performed cardiopulmonary resuscitation on Johnson. This finding was directly contradicted by the state dental board document completed by Dr. Bubenik six days after Johnson's procedure, a document which he refused to release to his insurer. The state court also found instances of medical malpractice based on the amount of medication administered to Johnson and Dr. Bubenik's decision to perform the dental procedure at his office rather than in a hospital. The issue was simple. The Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution is a protection, not a weapon. If a person does not wish to testify in a manner that might incriminate him or her criminally, should not file a suit where he or she might be required to testify in a manner that might incriminate him or her criminally. The Fifth Amendment only protects a person against being incriminated by her own compelled testimonial communications. It does not protect against questions posed by an insurance company as part of its investigation. This video was adapted from my book, Salma on Insurance Claims, Part 110, Second Edition, which is the 10th volume of my 10-volume treatise, Selma on Insurance Claims, and is available as both a Kindle book and a paperback from Amazon.com. If you found this video to be useful or interesting to you or your colleagues, please pass it on. It's free. And please also subscribe to my Rumble channel, my YouTube channel, my blog, and my Substack file so that you can be advised of future videos and future blog postings. Thank you for your attention.